Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s giving their perspective on the games that we love, headlines about culture, and the meaning behind it all. I am your host, Winsor Burns, and my kind of part, Savon Morris. How's it going, man? It's going good, man. How's good, everything man. with you? How's everything with you? <laughs> good. <laughs> well, I, we're, we're coming off of, uh, of Super Bowl of Super Bowl weeks, so obviously we're, the, 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 uh, that'll be the main topic uh, we start off with, but also have some um, NBA topics um, to, to deal with coming off the trade deadline and, and NBA All-Star Weekend coming up, some album reviews in the second half. We're going to do a review of Hoop Dreams, but we'll start off with just thoughts on, on the Chiefs' dramatic win over the Eagles in the Super Bowl and the controversy of, of the penalty. Um, Kansas City won 38-35, <clears> and playing on an injured ankle, Patrick Holmes threw two touchdown passes in the fourth quarter and scrambled on um, 26 yards on the go-ahead drive. And the, the the play that a lot of people are talking about is the defensive um, holding call on cornerback uh, James Bradbury on third and eight. Um, giving Kansas City the, the first down that, that eventually let them, um, you know, uh, milk the clock. But in terms of how the game ended, I mean, th- this was a high-scoring match, um, you know, the, for the first half, even though the Eagles had, you know, had, had the advantage, only up by 10 still gave Kansas City a, a, a chance to kind of, you know, fight back within the game. But what were your thoughts on it and also um, that the, the penalty that, that had a lot of people talking You know what, let's, let's start with the penalty, man. <laughs> That's a holding one-on-one. That's uh, you know, you you get you get a five it. yard, yeah, you get a five yard gray spear when it's when a pi is involved. That was blade blade holding holding call. So just let's take that off the table, and it's, we you got to look at what contributed to them not being able to win that football game. First of all, their defensive coordinator who just got a starting head head coaching job, uh, oh, <laughs> Jonathan Gannon. I mean. A terrible, terrible calls. Yeah, for the he rarely blitzed Mahomes, who had like what you just mentioned, who had a bum ankle, who was wasn't as mobile, and who actually got hurt prior to going into the halftime. So pressure, 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 pressure. We didn't see it. They didn't. They didn't allow zero. They allowed zero sacks that game. Hats off to the chief Chiefs offensive line. But what happened to Fletcher Cox? What happened to uh, you know Graham? Yeah. And these guys who equaled up to like I think seventy some tackles behind nineteen eighty four and nineteen eighty five Bears defense. Right. So that was non existent. Let's start there. The defense did not show up. The, the same defense win championship was non-existent for the, for the Philadelphia Eagles. So that play call had nothing to do with nothing. If Even if that play call, I mean, if that penalty wasn't called, I think Chiefs would have still been in the same predicament of them being able to milk the clock and actually win in that football game. Mm-hmm. But, man, all, all doubts towards uh, Jalen Hurts should be out the window. Oh, that first window. quarter alone. I knew it was going to be a high scoring game just 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 given the just the the minds behind these play calls especially you know Kansas City Chiefs yeah be able to exploit two plays two two miscommunication calls between you know the DBs and, and the motioning using in it against them what a smart move you get two touchdowns on it and then you just you just have a good play with Kendarius Tony with that punt return still the longest punt return in Super Bowl history so a lot of history was made in that game but man Jalen Hurts played lights out and then Patrick Mahomes man he figures it out but I, I'll give Eagles this they held on to the ball a lot a time lot. Of possession. The time of the possession top of was, possession huge. was it was big huge the for half. them. Yeah, it was definitely big for them. And keeping Patrick Mahomes on the sideline is your best bet of winning. But it came down to the wire. 
You got a couple turnovers on Jalen Hurts' part, but came back and scored a couple touchdowns with it. So, I mean, it was one. It was. I think it was a great football game. That call had nothing to, to uh, that penalty. It was a blatant holding call. It didn't do anything towards the game. I think the Eagles led a, a lot of yards on the on the, on the, on the four. And then one play call. I mean, one. It was a. Uh, I think it was either a holding or a. Uh, it was some penalty on the defense that extended the play and they got a first down. It wasn't the holding call, but I can't remember it. It was a lot of sloppy play from the Philadelphia Eagles defense that we haven't seen this postseason and early on in the season and, and later in the season. So they didn't show up. That's the that's the headline. No. The defense show up. The, the defensive coordinators calls it show up. He just got to you know start a head coaching job with the Cardinals, which is kind of crazy to me. But hey. I'm not a GM. I'm not an owner. <laughs> GM say I'm more. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you gave up 35 points, given it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and all those guys, yes. given, but you you shut down a 49ers team. Obviously, you you hurt three quarterbacks. Right. I mean, two quarterbacks and a half. You know, Christian McCaffrey got back there, and you kind of stalemate these other guys. Like, there's there's ammo to to, to fight. Like, you had a yep. fighting chance against Patrick Mahomes, and you didn't show up. So. That's yeah. the that's the penalty that they need to think about. The penalty that I didn't show up to the game. <laughs> the biggest one you can get. Um, but but when you look at a player like Patrick Mahomes, like we said, the last two performances he's had, it was when he was facing that injury yeah. against Cincinnati and now against um, Philadelphia. Like, wh- what did that tell you about? Because obviously we know he's great. We know he's yeah. one of the best we've ever seen. Like, what what did that do to you in terms of? Or, or influence just what you think he can continue to do and just what he's already done so young in his career, um, two titles, 27, and still having so much more to learn. Because like this year, he really it really felt like the game slowed down for him. He wasn't always looking for the home run play. Obviously, when you don't have Tyreek Hill, that happens. But this year, it really seemed like he even said his game matured and went to another level. Man, you don't get a 10-year... X amount of money deal if you're just an ordinary quarterback, ordinary quarterback, right? right? So we already know from the first two years, we know how special he is. We didn't know how special he was going to be coming out of Texas Tech. We saw flashes of potential that could have been groomed that he got in a situation where they needed him firsthand, you know, you know, immediately. Yeah. But just thinking about what he does on that football field and giving the 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 wide receiver core. We, I talked about this all throughout the season about mm-hmm. that wide receiver core is different. Given you still have Travis Kelsey, who's a wide receiver tight end mixed in one, yeah. uh, but you got Juju that we didn't know he's going to be. They got him from Pittsburgh. Then you go get Kadarius Tony. He does good. Then he gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple other guys they kind of milked in. You go get Jerry McKinnon from the running back, who's a you know guy could go out the backfield, run a couple uh, plays, and we've seen that him give up a touchdown in the Super Bowl. What a selfless guy! But just given that, those guys do not <laughs> stack up against. The cheetah. No. Let's be honest. So what he has accomplished this season and the season since he's been, it's crazy. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah, he's first ballot at oh, this point. Easily. Just give it, yeah, easily. easily. Just give it his track record. He's first ballot. And the, the sky's the limit. I do like the point that you mentioned that he didn't, he took his time. Obviously, would you say you don't have Tyreek Hill? Right. But I think it's, it's a different, it's a step into the right direction of him really going through his progressions and using his feet a little bit more. Obviously, he got the ankle injury. That's going to happen, whatever the case. 
But using your feet more, extending plays, trusting your offensive lineman, throwing your guys open, which he's done all, all throughout his career. I mean, he's touched the ceiling in my eyes. Like, what more do we expect from Patrick Mahomes that he's not already accomplished? Mm. He yeah. has nothing else to accomplish. If he doesn't win another Super Bowl, he's good. first ballot. He's good, <laughs> If this was his last Super Bowl, he's good. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, he's yeah. been in the league for four or five years now. That's yeah, five crazy. Years. We've yeah. never seen that before. Tom Brady took – he had to get the reins before he became a mm-hmm. great – this guy. From so the jump. Is, from the jump, he gets in. I'm glad we're talking about this, relative, yeah. because I'm going to reference this to Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Uh-oh. Let's, let's do it. Let's clip it. <laughs> so when you go through this, LeBron, you know, Mike had to get to the glory. He had to go yeah. to college, do all this stuff. Then, like, X amount of years, he became the Michael Jordan that we, we know now, right? Yeah. Patrick Holmes came in. Killed his first season, been to multiple AFC championships. Every year won he's been two AFC Super Bowls. <laughs> missed, yes, missed one. Both MVPs of the Super Bowl was MVP of the league. He has not been in the league more than six years. Yeah. That is insane. Nobody has done that. Nobody has a track record like Patrick Mahomes in this early on in his career. The guy is going to, if he. You think he'll be the GOAT one day? Man, because I think he's going. He's going to get. He's going to break some records. He's going to break some records, man. You can just tell. Ten years, but my thing would be for him. Will he get tired? Yeah, of doing this. Ten years. He has a ten-year contract already. And it's like, how is he going to look at at that end of that ten-year run? And can't does he care enough, like Tom Brady, to go after records and get more Super Bowls? You already got two, bro. That's a quarterback's dream to just get one. Yeah. You have two you already. Four? That's that's a bonus. So now you got wear and tear on your body. Like you got a lot of things to think about. So that I think that's the aspect of his career. He's gonna later down, he's gonna probably have to think about. But if he does stay the X amount of time like Tom Brady, yeah, he's the GOAT. He's gonna be the GOAT. Yeah, definitely. He's gonna be the GOAT. Um and, and now getting to also because the, the the conversation hasn't just been around Mahomes, but it's also been around Kansas City and what this team can yeah. do. If, if they can end up being a dynasty, um, two titles within the last four years, like like we said, been to the last AFC, last five AFC championships. In, in terms of, of of what this team can do in a pack AFC, because like we said, Cincinnati is still going to be there. There are teams like Buffalo, Lamar Jackson coming back with Baltimore, Justin Herbert, um, even what we saw with Trevor Lawrence with Jacksonville. Like, like, what are your thoughts on what this team can do going forward in the AFC? Because like we said, when you have a guy like Mahomes, you're always going to have a shot. But we also yeah. have to acknowledge that there are other elite quarterbacks in the AFC who are going to try to try to make a run and, and, and get to this point next year. I mean, the same thing was with with Tom Brady. You had Peyton Manning. You had uh, Philip Rivers at some points of his career. Yeah, you got a lot of guys in the AFC that you know were great, a good quarterbacks who play really, really well against Tom Brady. Yeah. And I hate to compare these guys, but Tom Brady's the GOAT. This is what the ladder you have to reach to be the greatest quarterback of all time, the greatest football player of all time. And I think they have that remnants of the Patriots. I think they, they're, they're the new dynasty. Yeah. Just give them, because you look at what the Patriots do on a year basis, they fit pieces into their system. Right. They feet pieces. They feet. They feet pieces. <laughs> what is going on? Wow. Pieces. <laughs> feet the pieces. They fit the pieces in the organization. Now nah, they they fit the pieces yeah. in the organization. I'm tired of saying that now. And they find guys 
that align with the system, right? Yeah. Kansas City Chiefs has done that. Tyreek Hill gone. Thing. A lot of guys hurt. Demarcus Robinson's gone. You 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 get Juju. You got Travis Kelch with the silver line and the running game is shaky. Whatever you go get. They find pieces on defense. Will they re-sign Christian Jones? Will they re-sign Frank Clark? The back end, like who, you know, they have a lot, but they figure it out. A lot of questions, but they always answer those questions. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, including me, you know, thought they were going to be as good without Tari Kill. And look at there, right? Look at that crow. Got to eat that one. But I think they're a new dynasty, even with yes. the great quarterbacks like, you know, good quarterbacks like Joe Burrow, you know, Allen. There's a couple of the uh, uh, guy from the Chargers. His name is me right now. Herbert, Justin Herbert. Herbert. He's a good quarterback. And he's definitely one of the future quarterbacks of the league. But you look at those guys, those guys don't stack up to to Patrick Mahomes and what the Kansas City Chief does. And it's so crazy about that system. The same thing they say about the system. Can they coach outside the system? Can he be a, a, a good offensive coordinator outside the system? Right. It's the same thing they said about Josh McDaniels. Says yeah. in his part, Patricia. Is it the it's same? Correlation. It's, so much correlation. it's crazy. Yeah. So they are the new dynasty. You have to go through the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, they're the standard now. They're their standard. They figure it out. They're the they're the new 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 England Patriots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely is the case. And what we were even talking about earlier, obviously with Travis Kelsey and like the fact that like that is a a great go to to have for any quarterback yes. with, with what Mahomes yes. has been able to do with them. They have like I think the second most um, QB tight end connections in postseason history with mm-hmm. I think fifteen, and they're right under Brady and Gronkowski. But when you look at Travis Kelsey, that there's been conversation about, hey, where does Travis Kelsey rank among the greatest tight ends ever and with what he's been able to do in, in his career? And not just, you know, with Patrick Mahomes, j- just the, the, the duration has always been a consistent tight end, but obviously Mahomes taken to another level. What are your thoughts on on what Kelsey is as a tight end and just kind of like where he ranks in that that all-time great tight end conversation? Top five. Yeah. Top five, just given of what he does, the mismatch, we've we seen some great tight ends. Tony Gonzalez, yeah, Mr. Winslow from the charge, Antonio Gates, uh, Gronkowski. Uh, I mean, we've seen a lot of yeah. tight ends who are mismatches, but Travis Kelsey is different. Travis Kelsey is one of the smartest tight ends. You've got George Kittle, too. Can't forget George Kittle, who's been played, yeah, played by injuries. But when it comes to Travis Kelsey, he's willing to block, big blocker, Guy can read defenses. We've seen the play that we that been pointed out at you know for the past two seasons about the middle of the field. Hey, if they go this, I'm gonna do a seam right up the because they're in cover yeah. two. Easy linebackers not looking for me. I'm not gonna sit down. I'm gonna streak right up. The, that's something you think about. That's what sets you apart from any other. And then you can line them up in X, Y, Z. Line them at the tight end position. You can put them in the backfield. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot with this guy. He's top five. Oh yeah, top five. Two Super Bowl wins. He's been the, the leading Roberts, I mean leading tight end for the past three seasons. Obviously, George Kittle and him going back and forth, but he's been injured. And then I think he was top seven of receiving yards this year yep. and last year as a tight man. end. Come on, man. That's Come tough. On, that is tough. You to don't block. get as many touches as as many wide receivers, as uh, wide receivers and tight end. So mm-hmm. yeah, man, that man is top five. He's definitely first ballot. Mm-hmm. Definitely first ballot tight end. He's gotta yeah. be. There's no other choice. Yeah, no choice about it. And, and, and also, uh, before we move on, like looking at the from the Eagles' perspective, because like we said, Jalen Hurts had one of the greatest um, yes. quarterback performances we've ever seen in the Super Bowl overall. He just everything he did, even even when they were down by eight, he brings them back. 
They scored mm-hmm. touchdown, two point conversion. He he every mm-hmm. time he needed to deliver, um, he stepped up. You know, he 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 was he was one of those players that was constantly answering the bell and just did not t- t- you know uh, take a step back at all. But in terms of the Eagles and the NFC, I feel as though like they the AFC is more packed, but the NFC like I think they can have a great shot to to, to get, continue to compete and get to this level. Mm-hmm. What are, yes. what are your thoughts on their chance of getting back to, to, to the same stage and what they have to do to not only get to the Super Bowl but but actually win one? Now that's a that's a good question because you have a lot of <clears throat> a lot of guys contracts are up. A lot of guys that were on a one year contract, like the Dominic and Sue, right. uh, AJ Brown's contract is up. He's been there for two years since he's been traded for, uh, from the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a couple running backs who needs to be re-signed. You got uh Branham that needs to be re- There's a lot of guys contracts are, can you keep all these guys up on this football team? <clears throat> Excuse me. And I, I don't know if they have the money to do so. I would like to say they'll be back in this position. I think the, the OC and, and Jalen Hurts has finally got on the same page with his new OC and, and being able to open up the playbook and, you know, trust in him and give it to him. But now you have the offseason. You got to resign, guys. Where can we do it? Do we have to give us some draft picks? Who are we going to get in the draft? Like, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. I don't know if they can answer them this fast. I think they they put all their eggs in one basket to win the Super Bowl. And I think for, for once, I will agree with Jerry Jones. He he mentioned it. He was like, yeah, they're not built. This team is not built for longevity. And he'll say that regardless because his team has <laughs> been built for longevity for the past 50 years. But <laughs> Easy for you to say. <laughs> yeah, easy, easy for you to say. But I do agree that they put all the eggs in one basket to win mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. And they came up short right now you have to try to keep guys together can it be the same similar situation that it was with the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers where Mike Evans took a pay cut a couple guys took a pay cups to come right. back to try to try to win the Super Bowl again maybe it could be the same situation but I don't think they have enough money to pay everybody yeah. so no I don't think they'll be there unless they find some guys to put in those positions some yeah. rookies who are less expensive some veteran guys who get the veteran minimum mm-hmm. you, they rather get creative with this since they put all the eggs in one basket. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I mean, obviously, a, a subject that's always mentioned the Super Bowl is the halftime performance. Uh, <laughs> and and <laughs> with, with, with Rihanna coming back for the first time, I believe the first time she performed in like seven years, um, yeah. there was a lot of hype around it. Um, mixed reviews. Some people weren't, weren't as as big of a fan of it. Others um, did like it. I, I feel as though like yeah. she, 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 she has an extensive catalog. Like we talk about catalogs yes. all the time in music, man, like the hits she was going back to. And, and I know like there was the question of, will she bring out guests? But I think she, she, she did a good job. Obviously the, the news after w- w- with her announcing uh, that she's pregnant with her second child, um, w- was something I that, saw that, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's, it, it's one, it's one of those things where like she has, there was so much going behind the performance that people didn't even really know about beforehand and so when it happens and then you get the aftermath of that announcement it makes you makes you kind of understand it more but what were some of your takeaways from this performance and just you know uh uh, you know what she did throughout it man i loved it i I loved her performance i thought the choreography was really good yeah i think they stole the show more than she did i mean it's, it's so much you can do while you're pregnant and you're trying to, and then I think being in the air suffices for anything they thought she was going. She did a little twerking, which is fine, but I thought the overall it was better than um, what's the guy's name? Uh, uh, the guy from Canada, the weekend, uh, get a loss in the maze, get a loss in the maze. 
<laughs> like, bro, get a get on. I thought her this was better than that one. To be honest with you, and I know you don't think that. I, 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 I didn't, I didn't like cool. it, but I like Rihanna's. I like Rihanna's performance. I thought it was really dope. The choreography was really dope. I thought it was shot very, very, very well. well. Very, yeah. very well. Yeah, I was like, oh wow. And I didn't expect her to bring anybody out, anyways. I mean, most of her collab music is with uh, Jay Z Drake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> who's she gonna bring out? Madonna. She got to be and Rihanna will never perform together <laughs> ever again. Ever again, bro. Most of her hits, great. Like work, work, work. You know she's not bringing Drake out there. Uh, Empire. No, she didn't do. Uh, she did uh, run this town. And yeah, and Jay Z was yeah Jay Z or Kanye. So I mean, you it's you couldn't expect her to bring anybody else out with her catalog. The guys who like it's just different. On different this. things yeah. have changed with those artists now. It's just like obviously years ago she would have done it, but it's just so yeah, much has happened sure. between those artists over the years. It's just it's just not going to be the same. Yeah, and it's a respect thing for obviously ASAP. Yeah, you know, yeah, I didn't want her to bring ASAP out either. I think yeah, I mean. So, yeah, I thought it was a good performance. Yeah. It wasn't the best. Right, no, but no. I thought it, it was like a good performance. Level. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. I thought it was good, though. Definitely. Um, And, and, and I'll transition to the NBA. Obviously, this, this was a packed um trade deadline uh, with a lot of moves mm-hmm. happening. Obviously, Kyrie, Kyrie going to Dallas. Um, Now, us, and, and then, you know, D'Angelo Russell heading back to the Lakers. Um, yeah. Also, Jay Crowder going to Milwaukee. Um, KD. Uh, to, to Phoenix, which, which was the biggest one. And, and I feel as though with Phoenix, they were kind of middling for most of the season. And the reason I would have them as the trade deadline winners is because like Chris Paul, he needs that. He really needs that, that, that extra person to kind of like take the, take the pressure off him of scoring. Chris Paul is in the perfect position to, to, to just facilitate, do what he does, be a floor general. Devin Booker doesn't have yeah. as much pressure also. And KD, he's going to be the main scorer, but what are your thoughts on which team that you kind of felt as though won the NBA, won the trade deadline and really put themselves in a position uh, to compete going further? I say two teams won. Obviously, <clears throat> we have the Phoenix Suns to be able. To, and I was we talked about this beforehand too. If they, if Kyrie or whoever yeah. went over there, uh, will they be able to keep DeAndre Ayton? They were able to. I think what was was huge. That's why they won. KD is a great guy, but you're going to need that five. You're going to need yeah, a rebound guy. Guy's going to be, yeah. You're going to need that big guy. So I thought they definitely won. <clears throat> but How to give I up think, Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson. Yeah, I think that was a good investment. I think they have enough for KD to be enticed to stay. Yeah. Now, too. and then Jay Crowder going to Milwaukee, I thought was big for them. I thought it was big. I think he's he's a good uh, two way basketball player. He'll give you some some three point shooting down the line, especially in the postseason. I thought that was a very strong ad, given yeah, Middleton's Middleton's uh, history of being injured and not being present when they needed the most in the postseason. So I think having Jay Crowder, who's who's you know vaguely hurt most most seasons. Right. So I thought that was a big pickup. The loser, though, obviously, obviously. Dallas Mavericks was the biggest loser in this. Cause Kyrie's leaving. <laughs> we mentioned I mentioned this in the last episode, Mr. Greco and Micaiah, but we're like, they just got a rental. They 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 literally just got no, a rental. No, for, for real. I knew it was over when he said, I don't want to make any comments because it's going to distract from something he was saying that they asked him about his um 
what he's going to do. Is he going to resign? He was like, I don't want to answer that because I think it will take away or be a distraction of something. And I was like, yep, he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> Already. <laughs> he's not staying. That was the clear sign of like, yo, I don't want to say it, but y'all know I'm, I'm going at the air. But um, yeah. yeah, that was the biggest L. But those two guys, Maverick, no, not the Mavericks, Milwaukee, in the Suns were the the two winner in my eyes, but yeah, I think that Jay Crowd is gonna is gonna be can you beneficial fault, down the line. But can you fault Mark Cuban for trying to go into that like oh. that win now that that win now move for 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 Luca this postseason? Because he I don't think he wanted another postseason where Luca was just gonna flame out and be the the number one option and the only one option as a score and look around and be like I don't have as much help. That was a great move by Mark Cuban, given the the risk of him not staying. We didn't think they were going to make it out against the Phoenix Suns last year in the first round. Right. It went, you know, 3-3, three, three, and then Luka went on God mode, Game and seven. then he got the God. Yeah, so so he needed something to give him that hump. I think Kyrie can be the guy to get them closer to the NBA Finals. But knowing that he this is not his desire to stay, he wants to be in L.A., I did not mean to rhyme, but... Uh, <laughs> Ours. Ours. I think it was it was a <laughs> it was a big risk, but if like you said, if we're if we want to get Luca to stay mm-hmm. long term, we have to show him that we're willing. And this is the same thing with LeBron James. The Cavaliers didn't do things in the right way to keep LeBron there. Yeah, they didn't do enough. So Mark Cuban is like, I'm not gonna, thing. yeah, I'm not gonna make that mistake. I'm going to get you guys. I try with Porzingis, tedded work. Um, he tried with uh, last year. He had a new guy. I forgot his name. Cheese. Uh, oh, Kimmel Walker was there. Oh yeah, wow, Kimmel Walker was, was there for. <laughs> that was a short. <laughs> He's trying, bro. <laughs> Bus stop. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Next stop, whatever, ever. <laughs> Yo, man, <laughs> bro, that was a that I for, literally forgot about that. I literally yeah, for, bro was with Dallas at one point. Man, <laughs> at one point, <laughs> literally at one point. Literally, one stop, <laughs> one stop. He was gone, and then now you got Kyrie. <laughs> a lot can change, though. A lot can that, change. That is true. And for the postseason. You know, yeah, a lot could change. They can, you know, in the offseason, hey, let's hang out. Let's do this. They can add more guys. They can touch both of those guys to stay. I think right. they can find the money to do that, release some cap space. I think it's doable, but Kyrie has to buy in. It's all about that's what the Kyrie biggest wants. thing. Yeah. 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 It's, that's terrible, though. But I know. At I'm, this I'm, point I'm not career. saying that's right. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just no, no, saying no. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. just the realistic, that's just the realistic way that things is. are going to play out. I don't yeah. think he'll ever be happy. That's just me. I don't think he'd ever be happy. That's like, that is really like to, 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 to even think about that though. Cause I think there's a few NBA players. Like It's like, when we look around at the like cornerstones, Giannis, I think he's always gonna be happy in Milwaukee. Steph, yes. he's always gonna be happy in Golden State. Yes. It's just, it's just certain guys you look at. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's almost a contrast. There are certain guys who are, who are like, just cornerstones in their franchise, they're always going to be happy where they're at. And then other guys, they're just always going to like move from destination to destination. What are you searching for? What are you, what are you going after? If it's activism, get out of basketball. Yeah. If it's basketball in activism, you got to choose your, your, your battles, mm-hmm. right? If you want another NBA championship, you got to stay put. You got to buy gotta in something. somewhere. Got to build something. Yeah. Else. You left a good situation with the Cavaliers. 
you went to the Celtics, and I hate we always go down his 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 resume. Go to the Celtics for a year, can't lead them. You get hurt, can't lead that team. Then you go to Brooklyn, and it's just a array of things happen with Brooklyn. Now you are in Dallas, and I know you don't want to stay because you want to go to LA. But the owner is so vindictive, he sent you to uh, Dallas. I wonder why. Hey man, you gotta you gotta find your why because I don't think he knows anymore. Um, and now getting to to the kind of thoughts on the NBA All Star selections. Obviously, with the All Star game coming, uh, All Star weekend coming up in Utah, um, and we have a uh, team Giannis and team LeBron. Something that kind of stood out, with, with, especially with the East and, and and their kind of front court players, was that everybody knew that one kind of like really elite player was going to get left out of the starting lineup. Um, Giannis, Akadi, and Tatum were, were all included, and Joel Embiid was left out, kind of even though he's averaging 33 points, uh, nine rebounds and four assists. But the one argument against him is that, you know, he has missed 12 games. The availability has been um, a question at times, but uh, what are your thoughts on on the all-star selections from both sides? And and, and has, you know, kind of anything stood out to you or or has it kind of been what you would expect um, from this year's lineup? I was surprised Kyrie made it after all his, uh, you know, distractions i would say i don't think right. it was a distraction i thought he was he was crucified a little bit and then he he played ball and you know but i didn't think you know he was gonna make it but i'm tired of seeing Giannis and lebron be captains like switch it up switch it up bro yeah. i like zion finally uh you know got in the starting starting lineup i thought that was a really good he played really good then he gets played by another uh, injury hate that so, mm. yeah, I, I thought they were cool though. You, you know, Jason Tatum played really good this year. Obviously, KD. Uh, the one that was a big surprise was the Kyrie one. Uh, Donovan Mitchell deserves to be there for sure. Yeah, I thought. I mean, obviously, solid, solid selection. But I'm tired of you know LeBron and Giannis, Antetokounmpo, whatever you want to. Too slow. Uh, <laughs> I'm tired of them being captains. Some different so, captains. I, I would like to see it. Kind of like almost it'd be a requirement every year to switch it up, every year to to, to put different captains because I think like obviously the year we had LeBron KD that was a, a very a very a very fun All Star game. I'm um, mm-hmm. seeing because we've seen the, the, those two against each other in, in past finals, but but I do think like it would it it would make because it's almost becoming like so routine to hear those two names as All Star captains yeah. that it kind of gets old and, <clears throat> and played out. And I think for All Star game you want to keep it inventive and just kind of still new in, in certain aspects. For sure, because, I mean, we've seen this past seven years, <laughs> to be honest with you, the same yeah. thing. Even when they switched up the rules, that one year, though, the first Giannis and LeBron James, that was a great, great. I think, COVID. It was a COVID game. Yeah. It was right when COVID 2020, that was such a good game. Mm-hmm. It went down to the wire. But, yeah, after that, it's been, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, like, you got to at least switch it up or put some new captains or like put a mascot as the captain, somebody <laughs> playing a mascot suit, somebody pass out, like something. You know Make it mean? dramatic. <laughs> yeah, you got to switch it up at this point, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now getting to our first album review with, with, with Kalila's Raven. I'm in her new second album. You know, th- th- this was a, a masterful display of tension and release. Uh, this project had had complicated frictional energy throughout, and, and her um, stunning vocals are a consistent highlight um, really within a lot of the project. But what were your thoughts on this album and and just some of the things that that were placed in it and, and different elements uh, of it. Uh, this was weird. Um, <laughs> this was a very interesting album. Uh, I like how I, I like the intro song, right? 
And so yeah. I'm like, okay, really that's the intro. vibe we're going to get. I like that vibe. And then she went in some a different, I don't know what she did. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> What's going on? And I skipped it. And then I like Let It Go. Yeah. I like, I like Let It Go. Lot. That was a good track. And then you get some, like, some whatever. And then she goes back into that uh, Willow Smith vibe. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to go The Willow here. Smith vibe. <laughs> I don't want to go there, but I mean, it, this is not my taste. But I mean, it was, it was, it was definitely different, mm-hmm. definitely different album. And the, the the next person was in that because it sounds like Contrada or Kentrada. Yeah, Kentrada, Kentrada. Kentrada. I always very strongly his name. influenced. Very strongly influenced. So by it, this album and the next artist have that type of vibe. But I'll wait to say oh, what I think about that album. But this album, it was. I don't know. Maybe I don't. I don't think her style went with the production. Okay, that's fair. if that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. Because she's it didn't, featured. Didn't align. Yeah, she's featured on a bunch, especially Solange. She was on the Solange album, and I love that song that she was on Solange. I thought it was. I think she brought she brought that that uh, that that angelic sound to me because I know she can do the neo soul type vibes, mm. um, yeah. and I know she oh, has yeah. that in there. But this was kind of different. I don't think her style went with the production and it kind of threw me off. Because mm-hmm. Let It Go is like the intro song. Like it had that vibe. That was a perfect intro. That was a perfect Yes, it had that. Let It Go, I forgot the intro's name, but it had that airy, angelic sound. Mm-hmm. And I, a part of me thinks like she laid her vocals down on just like a single sound and they added all the production oh. behind it it sounded like because it didn't correlate it didn't go it didn't gel together to me like it was like she was fighting or the production was fighting her vocals and it didn't align to me so i you thought you can kind of tell that that can kind of that stuff stands out to you yeah. yeah like they added it post-production it was like okay she laid her vocals okay let's see if we can because it was probably just like bland not bland, but it was just like simple. She was like, okay, how can we spice it up? Because we know like you're that's that's your style. So like we're gonna try to spice it up with the production. They probably added all the stuff afterwards and right. Yeah, they shouldn't have did that. I didn't like, <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I don't like that. So so almost <laughs> in terms of what we got from the intro, like do you feel as though if let's say the majority of that project sounded like it, do you think you would have liked it a lot more or, or enjoyed vibe. it a lot? Vibe. Yeah. Vibe. That's a vibe. I mean, I think that's her MO anyways. Mm-hmm. Like, I think she's a vibe. Neo Soul is a vibe. Like, oh yeah, for sure. you're not going to have like great radio songs from Neo Soul uh, artists, right. you know? But I think they have that vibe, that that consistency of the vibe, you know what I mean? Yeah. That that will carry a album. I think if we got the intro song and let it go and a couple other songs, like it's okay to have those like two, three tracks. Like Scissor did, like she experimented in the middle, but then she, on the back yeah, end, she gave rocks. us this and that. Like it just moved. Like, it's okay. Like two, so, two, three songs are like, okay. Cause she probably trying can, to touch a freelance. Fan you base. freelance for two yeah. songs. Yeah. You, for special album, you have that uh, ability to do, but at a certain point, I didn't hear, I didn't know her core sound until I listened to Yeah, you don't want to escape from that. You don't want to escape from that because yeah. that, will, that will almost kind of like take a, take a listener to be like, okay, I was so, I was so used to where we were originally. And now we're kind of going to somewhere else that I don't even know if we're going to get back to that central theme and that central right. sound of what the album sounded like. 
Right. And you don't, you, if, if you ever listen to her for the first time, you listen to this, you want to know what her core sound is. No. You you a guess like the first song like oh yeah she's okay and then you get to the other song like okay where is she going like what's the story here what's what's the subject matter like what right. what are we talking about so yeah I think it was missing a lot of things. Um, and now getting to our next review with Maida's habits. Um, in her last EP, this was something that um you know was instant and immediate. It, it, it's simple and balanced. Plus the features um add life to each track. Um, and, and this is a uh, this is an EP I I like really like like really mm-hmm. enjoy it's it's one mm-hmm. it's it's one of those ones like when I went back to it I'm like man I'm gonna keep going through this a lot mm-hmm. seven songs and mm-hmm. it's just it's a perfect type of type of sound um, what were your thoughts on this EP and just all, all, some of the features she had on it and also just what she did overall with it so this she fits it perfectly yeah. perfectly and the production was done before. She got in the booth. Yeah. You could tell the difference. Like it has that. I forgot his name already. I'm gonna call him K. Every kiss begins with K. Okay. Catch or not. It has that element of his production in there, and I'm sure he didn't produce any of this because he's not with Rock Nation and he'll probably won't use him. Uh, but I thought it had similarities of production and she fit it better than the last artist. And I think she had that versatility of having the up-tempo and it was like, she was vibey. She was nice. Lyrics was Words. good. The voice was good. Every, yeah, I enjoyed this. Yeah. yeah. This got saved. It was like two songs I didn't like, but five, the rest of the five songs got saved. Yeah. For sure. That Yeah, this was, I really enjoyed this one. I didn't even know who she was. Again, Wellington. Get Wellington his flowers forever and ever. So if I will always know that he's going to find out new music every week when we record. No, for real. Because <laughs> album music ain't giving me the new music I need, so I got to go through relative. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, obviously, this is one of the most, this is one of the most important, um, EPs are one of the most important things that, like, we talk we talk about usually um, th- uh, throughout the show. Even even last mm-hmm. week when I had Jamil on, we, we were talking about an EP, and he he was even saying that, like, if you're not, if you're not sticking with with your core sound and your theme throughout the entire throughout that entire EP, it's just it's just not going to fit. Like, how do you like? Do you feel as though even probably because obviously there's so much conversation uh, with your label, with your producers, with everybody, the engineers that are in there. Like, do you feel as though sh- you could kind of tell that <clears throat> she was kind of dead set on hey, like let's stick with the same theme throughout before we even get to, through the nitty gritty and all the details? Yeah, I mean EPs, you you can. You can experiment on EPs, but since it's a shorter project, it's it's good to have that core sound throughout it. It can right. be consistent enough. You got if it's seven songs, you probably got one song to just like experiment and try to figure out some things and try to go outside your bounds. But albums, you can it's since it's a longer project, you can add two or three songs that would have never made an EP because <clears throat> you got to be concise with that. I think this one, I think she really was concise with her core sound, with the production. I think production was really good and she fit those beats. You could tell the difference when somebody doesn't belong on it. Um, and I thought it was, it was, it was, it was, it was great. I am. (laughs) I'm getting old, man. I thought, yeah, I really enjoyed it, but I, I do think she, if whoever in our team or the AR, whatever, Solid they did team. a really good job of making sure her core sound was 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 felt throughout this EB, 
EP. It was, yeah, definitely spot on. It was definitely enjoyable. It got saved. It's if it gets saved, saved, it's good. And I'm going to be listening to it a lot <laughs> this year. <laughs> yeah, better know. Like, uh, you put me on um, uh, Alex. Alex Isley. Yes. Yeah. I listened to Good and Plenty, Lucky Day, and Masego remix. Oh, man. My oh, my goodness. Oh, my, my. <laughs> I was like, where did she hide this at? I like this. <laughs> but nah, yeah, she's dope. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, if you get saved, you're good. Um, and, and now getting to our next review with Daniel Caesar's uh, second single, Let Me Go. Um, in this new, new single, which is the follow-up, uh, it's Saevar's <laughs> already shaking. This ain't it. Saevar's already shaking the head. Uh, this is his second uh, single, up, a following Do You Like Me? And, and this was more of a, 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 a slow-down a tempo joint that kind of finds he's reflecting on an emotionally draining relationship that he's struggling to end. And uh, he also announced uh, th- that his next upcoming, upcoming album is, is dropping April 7th. And Savon is looks not enthused about what's coming in April. Absolutely <laughs> What'd you think? not. <laughs> First of all, I'm going to ask you this question. <clears throat> yeah. Was this a single or album song? Oh, album song. <laughs> album song. Why bro. do they do this to and us, why bro? Why do they do this? What is we going keep saying on, it every bro. week. We keep saying it every week. <laughs> It is not a single song. Stop dropping album songs <laughs> that you would, and your intentions to be single. Come on, man. man. It's like he he lost that luster. I think what made him such a good artist in the beginning with uh fruit fruit fruity and and in some Freudian, of his early yeah. in some of his early EPs, I think he had that that the element of gospel in there. Ooh, we yes. see that throughout. That first album, yeah. The second album, it was, it was, yeah, it wasn't good. He's dropped some couple singles before that. I thought, like, you know, "Who Hurt You" was a really good track, and then he just got away from that. And then this one, I'm like, yeah, it's okay. It's not a bad song, but it's okay. It's nothing that's blowing me away, blowing me away. So it's not making me. <clears throat> if you drop this, and I think he has like 15 to 16 songs on his album. If you drop this one, that makes me feel like the other songs you have are not fire. Right. Or maybe y'all dropped the wrong one and I make fine a fire one. Cause I'm gonna listen to it because it's Daniel Caesar. Yeah. But it's one you you're gonna this... tune into. It's one you're gonna tune yeah. into, but but it, you're still kind of skeptical of what he's put out before it. Cause he dropped two of them off this album. Yeah. And both of them were just okay. So it doesn't make me like eager to listen to it because if you drop this out of the rest of the 14 songs, I don't think you got fire on here. I think you lost your luster. Mm-hmm. You you a Bryson Tiller, and I I did I didn't want to say his name. You said it again. <laughs> we said it countless times. But, but when can you tell like when an artist that you've loved in the past and one that you consistently just just went to has kind of like not has, has kind of lost that like that certain touch with their music that kind of always drew you in and made you go back to it. I mean it's. Cause you you'll give an artist the benefit of the doubt when it comes right. to like a new album. Like, okay, it wasn't, but if you lost connection, okay, we're good. Reconnected. But if you give us consistently not great tracks, you're gonna be like, okay. Mm. And then he took a hiatus for a while. He got the braids back. He got braids now. He need to go back to the dreads and the dirty teeth. And he gonna be golden. He gonna be back to you are the best part. That's what he gonna be singing again. <laughs> bro, those tracks are yeah. like, bro, are universally God sent. Like, bro, it God doesn't matter tracks. where you are, yep. 
where you could be in Japan, you on the best part, like, bro, it's gonna, but now you can't touch that. You did this. Yes. And you haven't even got to, like, (laughs) you're not even like, bro, Bryson Tiller syndrome, bro. I'm sorry. saying. Hate it had to be him that we had to step the name on, but <laughs> it's got to be Bryson. <laughs> Who else can we put up? Yo, nobody, like, bro, everybody else has stepped to the plate when it yeah. comes to it. The, they dropped the fire first album and, yeah. they, and, they, and they kept doing consistently, it. Consistently, yeah. Mm-hmm. Y'all didn't do it. But he did make up for it uh, with the the last little EP or project he put out with Sorrows, Out of Time. Man, I uh, like Bryce that. Anniversary. Anniversary. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually In the like in- that. Interlude. Yeah, yeah I, I thought like that was really good. He made yeah. up for that, but that was an album, though. Mm-hmm. You got to make up with an album. On, like yeah. a full-length album. It's full scope. We talk about the albums. Yes. This is what we want to talk about. <laughs> he been uh, on a hiatus, too. Yeah, man. <laughs> Come on, Bryce. I would be, too, if I can't hit right. <laughs> Hey, I just want to step back. I'm gonna let y'all cook. Yeah, I'm gonna let y'all listen to my own music, reminisce. Yeah. Um, and now getting get into our to our last single with, with Cecily. I'm gonna use the do the Savon. God dang, God, God. I'm not gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't do that. Okay. I did that because Tyler was on here, all right? I um, did that because uh, the Bishop old Tyler, <laughs> Bishop Dawan. No, he was on here. Oh, but no, <laughs> you funny for remembering that. That's cold bloody. Cold I remember too much. You was telling me once, and you remember too much. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep it in yeah. the ball. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but 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 because because we even mentioned earlier with, with with her um one of her singles, first single in the past that we talked about without you, how much we enjoyed it. Uh, that and this yes. one was released last Friday, kind of a mm-hmm. R&B, a slow jam. Um, that that that, that kind of focuses on fixating on, on one person uh, that, that, that she's really obsessed with. But what were your thoughts on this single? And just, because um, we even said a couple uh, a week ago, we wanted to hear some new Cecily. We, we were kind of yeah. interested, interested to see what uh, what she did next. But uh, what, what, what are some of your takeaways from this new track? I'm ready for an album. Yes. She's, she got some good versatility. Yes. I thought this was, she showed that by, because I don't think she's originally an R&B artist. Like she can go in that pocket if she wants to. I think she has a, a different style that, uh, she she'll probably like you know enhance, but I think she's she can get in that pocket real. I thought this was a definitely a single song. I thought it was a single song. I really enjoyed it. I thought she had uh, different ranges in there. I thought the melodies was really good. I thought the production was really good. Yeah, I'm ready for an album. I'm ready to see. I'm, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna yeah. tell you. I know we do every year about who we're excited for. Yeah, Cecily's on that list of albums. Yeah, I'm ready for a Cecily album this year. I want to see her be creative. I want to yes. see her with a concept. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I'm ready for this, it. I think I'm ready for it. This single got me excited. This single got me excited for an album, man. It, it, yeah. it, it, she she got to deliver. Yes, definitely. You dropped. Like, in terms of what she's done with the with her with her last singles and what you're expecting from her, like, in terms of, of a perfect Cecily or, or like a, a an ideal Cecily project, what would you kind of want to see? Because obviously, like, we know she's in that mode of, of about about to be, be putting out something, but what would mm-hmm. you want to see and, and, and kind of like be most intrigued in with what she's about to put out? Some creativity, man. Uh, concepts, yeah. different concept of creativity of messages of what you're trying to you know portray, what you're trying to get across, uh, and I think that's where you start at. And then I think she has the versatility to go in different pockets, so I think she's fine there. I'm just looking yeah. for a full link. Am I going to get like? 
obviously with singles, you play them three or four times. It's already in your system. Okay, this is really dope, blah, blah, blah. This is one definitely was on repeat. <laughs> yeah, a longer project, am I going to get dull with your voice? Are you going to stay in the same pitches? Are you going to switch it up? What 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 can you bring to the table? Like, that's what I'm looking for. Like, can she keep the, the listener's attention throughout a, a whole full project? Right. If it's 10 to 15 songs, like with 10, 15 songs, we give you three song grace period. You got three songs to be terrible. Or just mm-hmm. mediocre, right? We're looking for those other songs to be either some good ones or some bangers. Yeah, we give you that. We give you that that grace period of those tracks. But if you don't come with it, like, because I gave Daniel Caesar in the other album case study or whatever it was, uh, I gave him three songs, and then the rest, <laughs> they were terrible. They were really terrible. <laughs> I did. I didn't. I didn't enjoy it at all. Like J. Cole's. I gave J. Cole a three song uh Grace Period. It's the off season? Yes. And I did not like it. Did not like it. It's not even saved, bro. <laughs> oh man. Not Cole. Not Cole missing out on on on, on Bro, on he is in my top five. Yeah, I know. You're you big J. Cole fan. Yeah. It's not saved. That new track was cool, but it's not saved. It's not gonna, yeah, it's not gonna stand. Yeah. It's not gonna stick with you. But yeah, definitely Cecily, that's hasn't been a lot of A-list artists or a lot of um Prima artists uh, uh dropping albums uh uh so far this year, but but this is definitely one that I I, I feel as though we're we're gonna really look forward to. But uh we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with our hoop dreams review. Welcome back to the show. Now we're getting to our review of Hoop Dreams. To start with the overview, Hoop Dreams is a 1994 documentary film directed by Steve James, produced by Fredericks, Marks, James, and Peter Gilbert with uh, Carton Mekin Films. Uh, it follows the story of two black high school students in Chicago and their dream of becoming professional basketball players. Uh, it had a budget of $700,000 and brought in $11.8 million into the box office. And this had, a, had a, uh, an extremely high rate, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. But uh, what were your thoughts on this documentary kind of being one that was, you know, uh, a rich and backstage tension and social in- inequality being focused on because a lot of times we get documentaries like that, but this one was even, um, this is one that I go back to a lot because you have two guys who are, uh, two two players that are in two different environments, one in public school, uh, one in a private school, but the expectations are completely different and they're still kind of going after the, uh, the same goal. Yeah, man, I thought, first of all, let's, Let's let's start with the the budget seven hundred thousand bringing eleven point eight mil, that's a win in itself. Yes. Uh, and then looking at man, this happened so much back in the day, and it's still well not more so now because social media has heightened so many athletes and getting them out there and being exposed and being you know found in a way. But I thought this this documentary was real. Like, it was real, real. Obviously, you can't fake this. This is true. We're in here. But I love to tell the two cities. And that's what it, that's what it thinks. Like, one is a private school. One is a public school. Both face the same inequality. One has a slight better upper hand because of where you stay. But, but it's still the same fight. And I, I love the narrative, especially when you see Isaiah Thomas, who's I think he's from Chicago and his people yeah. stayed in Chicago. And I love the story with Isaiah Thomas, how he, you know, helped out Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan kind of turned his back on or whatever. Um, he's not the GOAT to me. LeBron James <laughs> will ever be the GOAT. 
Step to prove. Had, had, um, to, had to add that in there. <laughs> had to. But I thought it was really dope, man. I thought it really shined the light on that was the only way out for them. Yeah. Literally the only way Literally. out. Literally. Even if they, you know, had the grades, had a four-point GPO, whatever, they wouldn't be able to pay for school. So the only way out was through basketball. Multiple times, Arthur's family's lights were, uh, were, were cut off. He, he couldn't continue at the same school, um, St. Joseph. Like, there were multiple, like, just literal daily obstacles that were in his way of getting to his dream mm-hmm. because he just, he just didn't have the funds and just didn't have uh, uh, the same resources that, that other students and peers um, around him did. And they were good ball players too, man. Yeah. And to be able to, and, and we expect these kids to just, you know, superhuman. go to school. Yeah. Be super, just go to school and just forget about where they come from. Forget about what they go through on the everyday basis, the generational uh, curses that they, that's just overwhelm, overwhelming on their shoulders and getting a life's cut off, you know, shootings in Chicago, one of the most violent cities in America. To be able to go there and try to focus on a thing that they love to get out of that situation. And some don't even make it. You know, some have good intentions of making out. And it's such a realistic documentary that I think is needed. Because, it, man, I, it was a, uh, what's the other movie? Um, it's called Sir. Uh, he was, a, uh, he went to the NFL. He had like a, it was a documentary, but it was a movie about his life or what he overcame. And his mom was a crackhead. And I know I'm going through this. She named him Sir. So everybody will respect him. Wow. His real name was Sir. I forgot it. He was um <clears throat> either a wide receiver or DB. He actually made it to the NFL and they made a movie about him. And I thought it was really dope. Because wow. where he come from, I think he was from Detroit or Chicago. It was one of them. So just being able to like some people make it out, some people don't make it out, but this documentary really shines light of what really goes on in the hood, in those schools, even if you go to a private school. You still go back to the same situation, like so. Yeah, I digress. I'm sorry. No, nah, it, 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 it's it's so real because that is literally that. That's another thing that stood out to me in this documentary is that how just so many um, don't make it to that position. We, we talk. We always on, on on every epi on every episode we talk about the athletes that have made it, the ones who who are playing at the highest level, but the un the, the hidden stories and the unknown ones are about the people that actually don't make it. And this one. Uh, I love how it hi- puts the spotlight on, on, on two kids that are in kind of different environments going through that. Uh, but getting to our first topic from one to four stars, what would you give it? Um, I would definitely give this, this, this documentary four because the, the humanity of it and, you know, at the core is just genius. And it, it really takes the subject seriously, plus, plus sees the context of, of what's going on. Um, but, but from one to four stars, what would be your particular rating for this documentary? I'll give it a four stars. Um... Obviously, it was shot in 1994, so you're not going to be able to to see, you know, the more uh, evolved cameras and evolved shooting techniques. You're going to get, you know, the bare minimum. So I'm not tacking away from that. If it was shot in like this millennium or like 2000, then I'll be yeah. like, ah, three stars, but four stars. Yeah. Love the story. Love they kept it real. Uh, they show every everything and everything. They didn't leave anything out. They gave it to you real, raw. I love that about it. Um, and then, yeah, just, I mean, these realistic characters, these real, these real life people who are going through, especially, um, I think one of their dads were uh, fighting a drug problem. Yeah, Arthur's dad. 
Yeah, office that yeah. was fighting a drug problem. I'm like, yo, that's so realistic. Like, there's so many people. Like, that was like pre-crack uh, epidemic. So people still like, you know. So yeah, I give it a four stars. I think it was real raw, and they didn't, they didn't, they didn't leave any shortcuts. They didn't take any shortcuts for this documentary. Yeah, and I mean, like sometimes with documentaries, we can tell when uh, there are there are shortcuts that, that have been taken. Sometimes they're kind of, you know, dancing around certain topics. Do you feel as though with what in particular about, about this documentary, do you feel as though made it just so clear that there were no, no shortcuts taken and they really touched on everything that had to be addressed? Yeah, I think you could take any shortcuts when it comes to documentary like this, because when it comes to Chicago, everybody have the preconceived notion of what happens in Chicago. And you have to give that preconceived notion because it's real. It's what, what happens, yeah. in, but then it's a deeper rooted problem outside of the violence. It's the drugs outside of the drugs. It's trying to make it out in the environment outside of that environment. Your dreams, sometimes your dreams don't come true. So they gave us real rap raw in stages of what it ha- what what it's like to be a African-American in America one, and then to be able to try to get outside of your culture and still be sucked in from your culture. I thought yeah. that was real. Yeah, man, I thought it was. Yeah, they did a really good job with this one, especially bringing that real raw rawness to the documentary. Definitely. Um, and now getting to our next topic, a uh, favorite uh, character. Uh, um, t- t- to me, like both um both players stand out, but 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 Arthur Arthur Aggie, I feel as though w- with his situation, he was he kind of went through the, almost the longer journey because he was expecting to be at St. Joseph then because of funds and 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 and, and, and just just lack of money overall, wasn't able to stay there, then has to go to, um, uh, uh, um, go to a different school. And that second run, he has his senior year where, where they make it, I believe to the, to, to, to the elite eight, um, in their playoffs. And he really shines as a star and kind of gets close to that moment of being like the focal point of that team and that offense. I thought that was, and, and also his dad kind of going, you know, his, his dad being a drug addict, his family going through very, um, just adverse situations. I thought that was very uh, a very interesting uh, character to focus on and put the spotlight on because he really was having to go through the longer journey uh, between the two. But to you, who was your overall uh, favorite character in this one and, and the kind of the, the person who stood out the most? Oh, that's a good question. I think, um, yeah, I like I like William Gates, man. I think his was <laughs> super realistic. I think he had a daughter. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. mm-hmm. he, he had a daughter, so he had a lot to fight for, and that was his way out. That's the way him to provide for his kids, get his parents out of the situation. So a lot of, and that's a lot. That's so consistent in our culture that the next generation has to help the old generation get out, or want to help them get out of the situation they were in. Because how many yeah. how many parents have dived and invested their time into their kids, hoping for uh, dividends? Now, I hope just right. you know instilling into them just because you're my son or my daughter or whatever. No, I'm hoping you go to the NBA. I'm hoping you go to the NFL. <laughs> Shoot, I'm hoping you go play baseball. So it's that's so this is a lingering thing in our culture that the next generation that they put. Yeah. So, yeah. So his was like more realistic to me, not taking anything away from Arthur's story, but William's story was just like me had a kid. Yeah. All this going. And then, you know, so 
Nah, yeah. I think I like William's character. Well, I like William. Not I keep saying character. William. So yeah, yeah, yeah. William. Yeah. But nah, I like William um story. I would say not character, story. Story. Yeah. Oh, yeah, a little better. Definitely. Um and, and, and now getting to kind of the memorable scenes in this documentary. Um oh, I had a sort of Arthur uh, meeting Isaiah Thomas, um, also him visiting St. Joe's, William yeah. being introduced uh, 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 to St. Joe's. Also, um William kind of coming up short in his last playoff run. And um and even the, the one of the before scenes him finding about the injury and how long he was going to be out um for, for, uh, for the start of his senior season um Arthur and 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 uh and the situation his family was going with with his dad coming back um a- after uh, the the, the, the uh, domestic abuse of of with his mom and then uh finally Arthur and William's last conversation uh, at William's last game and just kind of like the the heartfelt moment of of William being just really um really distraught over over his um high school career ending that way and Arthur being there mm-hmm. to, to, to really kind of you know um you know look out for him and, and, and tell him that, that he still had a lot of basketball left in him but uh what, what were some of your memorable scenes in, in this documentary and, and the moments that kind of stood out to you I think that summed it up when again I I don't know I like I just gravitate towards William's story more than I gravitate for often maybe because it's the the private school thing I don't know but like and then he got to meet Isaiah Thomas, man. I waited William to meet Isaiah Thomas. Cause I thought <clears throat> Williams Gaines game was more aligned more with polished. Isaiah. Yeah. To Isaiah Thomas's game. So it's just like, but anywho, but no, I think that scene author really showed his true nature. Like, man, you know, you still got a lot of basketball to play, bro. Keep your head up. Like get just, you know, uh <clears throat> it's still in that that positivity when we're they're so used to negative in their community and surrounding them because if that if if I lose I can't get to the next level or this and that but I thought yeah. that scene was was really dope in a documentary because I don't think they knew each other if I'm not mistaken they didn't Ooh, know Arthur, each other Arthur and William. William did they know each other I can't I, remember I, th- I think over time I think they knew- <laughs> They knew of each other, but it wasn't yes. like as close. Yes. It wasn't as close because they were, were familiar, but it just wasn't like that tight bond. Right. Yeah. Cause it's like, you know, you you always hear about the other great athlete yeah. in your city or your state or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Sign of respect. Okay. I know I heard of you, bro. Like, yeah, you you tight. So just for them to have that makes the moment even better. Like they didn't really know each other, they knew of each other. To be able to like give you that piece of tranquility just that literally the piece of peace like bro yeah. you got a lot of basketball to play bro. yeah long don't let go. yeah don't let this moment define you don't let this moment take away your dreams or your aspirations to get to the next level that that was one of the best scenes scene. yeah yeah uh, ab- absolutely encapsulated uh, the entire documentary and now getting to most memorable quotes i had um it hurt donut from arthur also man i never wanted to go out this way from william uh also the last show i'm trying to get it now tr- i'm striving for the same thing from Ar- arthur um, also, as soon as you uh, don't tighten one screw, everything falls apart from William. And then uh, finally, I always felt that Curtis should not be living his dream through me uh, from William. Uh, what were some of the memorable quotes in this one? Because I mean, I, that last quote, I think, is Curtis and Williams. Um, yeah. Their dynamic was huge, huge to me in terms of yes. uh, what was affecting William and his and his uh, mental state uh, and just his mindset, I should say, uh, his last his last year in high school. But uh, what were your memorable quotes in this one overall? <clears throat> excuse me the ones you mentioned of course um but it just this this quote by william really made me like his story even more after he said he was like 
That's why when somebody say, when you get to the NBA, don't forget about me. And, and that's the, well, I should have said to them, if I don't make it, don't you forget about me. Mm-hmm. How many stories, how many guys who were supposed to be the guy that makes it to the NBA or go to college or whatever, something happens, maybe they get in trouble, maybe they lose a scholarship, they don't have the grades, and people just forget about them. You a has-been. Quick as that. That's our community, which I really hate about that. But I thought that was such a, prof- a profound uh, message within that. Like, even if I don't live up to your expectations that you have for me, don't forget about me. Right. Because this basketball doesn't define who I am. And they always define sports with these kids. If he doesn't make it in the NBA, he's, he'll know by what you going to do work at a KFC. If you don't make it in the NFL, you don't make it in the baseball. It's the, the same cycle over and over till this day, right? So I love that quote from him. Like, yeah, if I don't make an NBA, don't you forget about me? And they did forget about him. Yeah, crazy. And, and that's the, re- the the realistic thing that the 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 one thing that you know they say not to do, they end up doing uh, when it comes to the actual player that gets to that point. Um, but 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 now getting into kind of what did you like the most about the storyline? Um, to me, literally just that point is of the fact that when family can get too involved. Yes. Uh, with with a star player's life and just like almost add on to the pressure of what they're already having to face because it's yes. literally it's hard enough what they're having to do. But when you have mm-hmm. family pressure and them saying like you know expecting you to make it and, and really elevate their lifestyle is something that is just um, ten times even more challenging th- th- than what they already do. But what particular element of this storyline of, of the documentary uh, did you like the most? It was real, you know. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't like, like I said before, they didn't do any shortcuts. They didn't, they didn't try to make paint a pretty picture. Right. You know, some documentaries try to swing the narrative. No, they really gave it to you raw. This is, this is what these kids or these people in the community go through every day basis. People love you when you're doing good, but they forget about you when you're no longer uh, be rememberable. Mm-hmm. But, so it's just like hey man that's that's so real happens to this day this was in 1994 we're in 2023 happens to this day crazy absolutely um and and getting to our last topic tunes from nowadays still will be watchful and intriguing and like you just said that this was in 94 and we're still seeing the effects of this uh uh uh, till now and i like even though this is a, a super long documentary i feel like this is one that has so many just real elements, like you say, and, and, I, and I know it sounds uh, 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 cliche to, to, to say just real, but it it, it honestly is because yeah. I don't think there's, I think these situations that we see with players, um, we wonder how long it's been. We see it in the nineties. We see it to this era. We see yeah. it kind of constantly circulating, like to those who have not seen this documentary um, and, and ones that are intrigued by it, like, like what would you recommend as like the biggest reason to watch it and why it's really going to get your attention? I recommend these younger guys and girls who wants to, you know, go play on the next level, go to the the highest level of their sport, whether it's NBA, WNBA, hockey, it doesn't matter. Watch this film so you can realize when you're up, you're up. When you're down, you're down. The people around you when you're down, that's the true people. Yes. That's the true people. This will this will heighten your senses of like knowing who's really who's there in my for circle. you. Yeah, or who is trying to benefit off you. Who's investing in you because they really want to see you succeed, or who's investing in you because they want to see dividends? They want something returned. 
And it yeah. still goes on to this day. A lot of people in Pensacola do it. I know a lot of people. <laughs> so watch this film. Not be just, th- these are two great stories, right? Mm-hmm. And you see some mishaps. It's a lot of kids who have kids in high school. So it will correlate. You will see yourself ripple into this story, into this documentary. Watch it. I think they should watch it just to be educated of what, what you will see like, yo, I know my best friend went through this. Like it's kids whose parents are going through drug addiction or it is it doesn't have to be drug addiction, it'd be something else that they it's just a constant overkill. So yeah, yeah watch this to be just be educated. Absolutely. And before we close out, uh like sports documentaries are something that's always it's always fascinated me. The 30 for 30 series is a yeah. series that I still go back to and love. Like ones like Jimmy the Greek, um, the Lakers Lakers and Celtics, uh Roberto Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard. The yeah, OJ made it made an America one. That five part one was just a masterpiece, yeah. and how they covered that. Like to you, what are some of your favorite sports documentaries, and also what do you think really makes a great sports documentary? What makes a great sports documentary? They don't try to spin a narrative. Like a lot of, I see a lot of documentaries, like the the one with Michael Jordan. They try to spin him to be like this this great. The guy was a butthole, man. They try to spin it for him to be like in a good graces. No, tell it raw. Tell it raw. Like the narrative that was like, oh, he was just a great team player. He just did anything to win. Like, bro, tell it raw. The guy was a terror. If Steve Kerr would look like one of the nicest guy punches, punches back or wants to fight you or fight you back, bro, is something wrong. Sign. So what makes a great documentary is they tell it real raw. Don't try to shift a narrative. Just let let the viewer it like let the viewer portray make the decision of how they perceive what you're putting on the screen that's that makes a good documentary and then i can't wait for the you know the florida gators documentary when everybody was there we had killers there we had guys stealing laptops we had a religious uh preacher at quarterback And they said that doc- yeah, <laughs> they said that documentary is on the way, so I, I can't wait for that. They mm. they have to give it real raw. Do not try to shift a narrative or create a narrative. Let it just give it, just cut, just give yeah. it to it. Just you don't have to edit it. Just put all it together. What I liked about, and I know this is not a um, a sports, but it's music. I love Ye's documentary. Oh yes, I love that one. It was a really good. Real one. raw. They was yeah. not trying to shift a narrative. They gave you the beginning of how, just the beginning of who he was and how he, like, Jess, that's when I, I was so engaged. I was so engaged to that. I was like, yo, yeah. this is why I don't want to do music work. He was getting nose left and right. Now, nah, we just want you a producer. Just want a producer. It gives you information. Like, this is how hard it is. It all falls down is a hit. Look how yeah. long it took for people to realize it was. So like it's like it's not like even when Drake Drake did the Apollo show and he like was going through his like amount of nose that he got yeah like from his career and that's really like the greatest artists that we know have gotten so many different rejections so many and, rejections and remember like, like I, don't, I forgot who the lady's name was but but she was she said about Drake like you're never gonna be marketable <laughs> and like when we, when we think oh, about that yeah. today it's like there's no way but like back then she was like no way no way you're gonna be marketable and, and wrote him off. And then she was wrong. She was like, you'll never, it was, I think in one of his songs, he was like, you'll never be bigger than Trey Song. Boy, was she wrong? Oh, boy, was she wrong. <laughs> ah, <laughs> boy, what? 
<laughs> I love how he remembered that and put that in a song. <laughs> right, bro. He'll probably forget none of those. Like none of that. <laughs> but that's what makes a good documentary. It doesn't matter if it's you know wildlife. It doesn't matter if it's music, sports. Right. It doesn't matter if it's shooting, duck hunting. It doesn't matter. Like give it to your real raw and don't try to create a narrative. Give the viewers the opportunity to perceive what you're trying to put on the TV screen or whatever. But yeah, yeah. I think that's what makes a good documentary. Absolutely. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm Post One to Burn, but my current part, Save by Morse. This is Ben Full Scope. See you later.